At the Legislative Yuan today, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu was questioned about how the U.S. election result could affect Taiwan-U.S. ties. Wu said that the two countries would continue to maintain strong relations, regardless of the occupant of the White House. But Wu did admit to the possibility that a leadership change could affect planned U.S. arms sales to Taiwan. Let's hear from him. No matter what the result of the election is, we will continue to maintain a positive relationship with the United States. And I would ask everyone to be clear on that point. If Biden is elected, some of his policymaking officials might not be in office until June or July. So negotiations with these officials could be delayed as a result. Minister Wu rebuffed claims that the Taiwanese government was betting on Trump to win, saying those claims were a false stereotype. The Taiex opened today to a volatile day of trading, reaching intraday losses of more than 60 points before recovering to close up 44 points at 12,591. The turmoil was on the market was triggered after U.S. stocks tumbled last week ahead of the presidential election. MediaTek and UMC shares both lost more than 3%, but the three major Apple concept stocks of TSMC, Largan Precision and Honghai helped power the index from negative into positive territory. Taiwan registered five imported COVID cases on Monday in arrivals from India, Indonesia and the Philippines. Amid an uptick in infections arriving from Southeast Asian countries, the Central Epidemic Command Center says it will try to house incoming immigrant workers in quarantine centers. Let's hear from a CECC spokesman. Currently, all arrivals from the Philippines, be they migrant workers or not, have to stay in quarantine centers. The outbreak in Indonesia has become more severe. So for migrant workers arriving from Indonesia, we'll try to house them in quarantine centers. That's our plan for the time being. Taiwan has recorded a total of 563 infections since the start of the outbreak, 471 of which were imported from overseas. Only 55 cases contracted the disease in Taiwan. The remaining cases were 36 crew members of the naval supply ship Pansha and one patient whose source of infection remains unknown. Taiwanese pharma Medigen Vaccine Biologics has entered an agreement with Vietnam to develop a COVID vaccine. Between 500 and 1,000 subjects are expected to be recruited in Vietnam to complete phase two clinical trials. The firm says the agreement will speed up to the completion of trials and expand the company's presence in Southeast Asia. Last Saturday, we signed an agreement to carry out joint clinical trials. We hope to have a vaccine to supply to Taiwan in 2021. At a press conference on Monday, Medigen announced it will be cooperating with Vietnam in its development of a COVID vaccine. This cooperation can speed up the clinical trial process. Medigen will be working together with Vietnam's biggest authority on contagious diseases. I'm very happy. Present at Medigen's press conference were Taiwan's deputy health minister and Vietnam's representative to Taiwan, reflecting both countries' interests in the project. Three firms in Taiwan, Adimune, United Biomedical and Medigen, are wrapping up phase one clinical trials. In phase two trials, each company will need to test the vaccine on 3,000 subjects. Medigen Vaccine Biologics is aiming to test its vaccine on 2,000 to 2,500 Taiwanese subjects and 500 to 1,000 individuals from Vietnam.
First, involving Vietnam in the testing will speed up Phase 2 trials, making it easier for us to meet the requirements for emergency use authorization in Taiwan. Second, Vietnam is the most important country in ASEAN. Since ASEAN has mutual recognition agreements, it would facilitate our presence in ASEAN and Southeast Asia. Medigen Vaccine Biologic says it expects to obtain authorization to start Phase 2 trials in December, with testing occurring over four or five months in 2021. Phase 3 trials could be completed as early as May next year. The firm says it hopes to provide Vietnam with 3 to 10 million vaccines in 2021 after securing a supply for Taiwan. With the ongoing drought, the Ministry of Economic Affairs is adding wells and desalination capacity to relieve low water levels at reservoirs across northern Taiwan. But now, just before the start of Taiwan's dry season, there is hope that Tropical Storm Atsani could deliver the needed relief. But its course remains uncertain, perhaps until Thursday. Two tropical storms are raging in Taiwan's vicinity. One is Typhoon Goni, the most powerful storm so far this year, which has already swept over Luzon Island in the Philippines. The other is Tropical Storm Atsani, which is stationary in the seas southeast of Taiwan. Atsani's future path remains unpredictable, with forecasters saying they will have to wait until Thursday to know if Taiwan might be affected. Thursday is the earliest that Tropical Storm Atsani will start moving. There is a higher probability that Tropical Storm Atsani will cross through the southern part of the Bashi Channel or over the northern Philippines. But if it angles more northward, we wouldn't rule out the possibility of it approaching Taiwan. Meanwhile, water rationing continues in Taoyuan, Xinzhu, and Miaoli. Taoyuan Shimen Reservoir is at around half capacity, while in Miaoli, Yonghe-shan Reservoir is below 50% and Mingde Reservoir at only 20%. The situation in Taoyuan, Xinzhu, and Miaoli is more dire, so irrigation has been halted there. Since irrigating stopped, water levels at Shimen Reservoir have bounced back a little bit. Emergency drought wells, desalination plants, and other such measures are still going ahead. The start of November marks the start of the dry season, which lasts for six months. As concerns grow over water reserves, the Ministry of Economic Affairs has launched emergency anti-drought measures. A lawmaker asked the Minister of Economic Affairs whether it was considering rebuilding the broken Baling Dam in Taoyuan. The Baling Dam has a capacity of 10 million tons of water. It could be very important to managing water supply. So are there any plans to rebuild Baling Dam? Maybe we will have to wait for the riverbed to stabilize before assessing it. Currently, we're not leaning towards building new reservoirs. We're heading more in the direction of water reclamation in underground streams, as well as adjusting water supply. The ministry did not deny reports that a planned 10 to 30 percent tax on firms that use more than 1,000 tons of water a month could go into effect by the start of next year. Meanwhile, the executive yuan is rolling out a 1.4 billion NT plan to combat the drought. Winter is typically the low season for cruise travel in Taiwan, but not this year. Reports have emerged that three major cruise companies are planning to launch itineraries in Taiwan, injecting vitality into the domestic tourism sector before international travel is back on the table. Meanwhile, after the end of safe travel subsidies in October, travel industry representatives are calling on the government to continue policies to boost tourism or face the closure of 1,000 travel agencies across Taiwan. Twisting water slides and international cuisine. To compensate for ongoing travel restrictions, new cruise routes are offering to take travelers to outlying islands as well as on round-the-island tours. 
Winter used to be the low season for the cruise industry, but this year, business is set to remain strong through the end of the year. In late November, the Explorer Dream by Dream Cruises will start offering monthly round-the-island itineraries departing from Kaohsiung. In addition, the Costa Serena of Costa Cruises may arrive in Taiwan as soon as late December to operate domestic routes. Princess Cruises is also planning itineraries, with the Sapphire Princess offering trips based out of both Jilong and Kaohsiung. Cruise operators may be eager to get started, but the Maritime Port Bureau says it's yet to receive any formal applications for operating permits. Cruise getaways could be a choice in Taiwan as the pandemic continues raging overseas, but with the end of the government's safe travel subsidies in October, tourism operators feel a dry spell coming. If by year's end there is still no vaccine with good results, I think many travel agencies will consider closing down temporarily. Because if they keep going, they would be spending money they would need to continue operating once the situation recovers. If there are no complementary measures, the agencies will be forced to close. I think there will be at least 1,000 travel agencies that will close down. Operators hope the government will launch subsidy schemes or complementary policies to replace the safe travel subsidy scheme, which created 63.5 billion NT dollars in tourism revenue. Travel firms say cutting off subsidies could impact the public's willingness to travel domestically. Meanwhile, negotiations to establish a travel bubble with Palau are also stalled, and experts worry international travel won't fully recover until 2024. A current prediction is that international travel won't return to 2019 levels until 2024. The Tourism Bureau hopes that we can review this prediction on a rolling basis, and we hope that after a vaccine comes out and the pandemic subsides, there may be a chance for Taiwan to reopen its borders. When will international tourism recover to pre-pandemic levels? Experts say it's hard to tell. Even with Taiwan's success in epidemic prevention, going abroad may still be some time away. Youth from disadvantaged families can hit hurdles when they're out looking for work. For three years now, a nonprofit called Mustard Seed Mission has offered free training to help teens secure better employment. Supported by Citibank, the program has helped 377 youths across Taiwan get jobs. This August, unemployment among people aged 15 to 24 reached 12 percent. The Mustard Seed Mission and City Foundation collaborated to create the Yes I Can Employment Initiative. A student takes out the dough and places it into the pasta machine. Moments later, long strands of spaghetti noodles appear. This girl's name is Liao Yuechen, and she recently graduated from university. She's a participant in the Yes I Can initiative, through which she's gained confidence and valuable skills. It helps me determine the type of work I want. Originally, I was not good at cooking, but I'm gradually picking up skills in the kitchen. Another group of students brews coffee. Sen Zhijia is 23 years old this year, while Sun Bohan is 15. Both of them are also participants in the Yes I Can initiative created by the Mustard Seed Mission and City Foundation. Before participating in the project, I was interested in coffee but didn't have any real training. I just watched videos on the internet and tried to figure it out myself. I'm thankful for the project's teachers, who are professionals. I've been adjusting my techniques. 
I am a student at an experimental school. I joined this program because initially I was searching for where I wanted to go in life, but I didn't really have one at all. But through this training program, I have done internships and gotten to experience different careers. This year, 52% of the program's participants are from single-parent households, foster care, or are being raised by their grandparents. Teens from disadvantaged households don't always find it easy to land secure employment. The program is designed to train the students in both hard and soft skills. The main goal is to foster their inner motivation. We help them find a direction and enter the workplace smoothly. More than 50% of participants are from single-parent or disadvantaged households. We help them build self-confidence, communication skills and teamwork skills. Participating in this training program allows me to understand the concept of the workplace and the necessary skills. I also learn how to interact with people. Through the program, teens are taught crisis and stress management strategies. They're also taught skills needed for jobs in catering, pet services, long-term care, and other fields. Students can also get experience in the workplace. The Yes I Can program is supported with funding from Citibank. Uh, training and help the uh, young people develop their confidence and uh, also they have the skill for the living, living skill. I think that is very important for the young people. City already uh, contribute 40 million dollars. In the future we want to uh, expand this uh, project and uh, to help more people in Taiwan. For three years now, the Yes I Can initiative has offered help to youth aged 16 to 24, helping 377 youth secure stable employment. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Taizhen Yo, Taipei. In some indigenous communities in Taidong, senior citizens speak the Amos language but cannot speak Mandarin. This is something Taidong Hospital is looking to tackle by creating accessible resources in the Amos language. In the past, the language barrier has made collecting medical samples for health checks unnecessarily confusing. Doctors decided to create instructional videos and info sheets in the indigenous language, making healthcare more accessible for all. An ambulance frames the TV on the wall in Taidong Hospital, and the script of this instructional video turns the head of many passers-by. It's spoken in the Amis language, and along with animations and music, explains how to take a test sample. Taidong Hospital serves a wide variety of ethnic groups. Some older indigenous citizens don't speak Mandarin and can get mixed up when taking medical samples. That's why a team of five doctors decided to design this mother tongue instructional video course using their own free time. The language elderly folks are used to using may be different to the language we are used to. But we need the samples they collect to be of a certain standard. So in the past we found elderly folks sometimes had to go back and forth, repeating the process, which created extra hassle for them. Or sometimes they would even lose the will to take the test. The issue is they can't understand Mandarin, so we speak their native language. The group is mainly composed of five members, three of whom are indigenous. The videos might seem simple, but just translating them from Mandarin to Amis took two months. Later, adding subtitles was quite a challenge too, but the payoff makes hospital visits much easier for older indigenous citizens. It's received the nod of approval from the Ministry of Health and Welfare, 
getting a top-class gong from among 26 hospitals competing for a creativity award. Some elderly indigenous folks can't understand Mandarin, so we used a language they can understand to design an educational info sheet, which is easy for them to read and can help them understand. So I think these two things are probably the main reasons that we were recognised by the judges and won the Excellence Award. But the team doesn't plan to rest on their laurels. They are producing more videos in more languages and covering new topics, bringing healthcare more in alignment with the people it serves. One of Taiwan's cheap and cheerful culinary classics is lu rou fan, or braised pork with rice. But one restaurant has made it its mission to create a super luxury version of the family favourite. They cheekily claim the rich dish with added shrimps and oysters is enough to bring on an attack of gout. It's not for the faint of heart. A big bowl full of fresh shrimp, milky dungsha oysters and an egg yolk. It might look like a seafood rice bowl, but don't be fooled. This is a luxury version of Taiwan's classic lu rou fan. The oysters around the outside are so small, but look, the oysters are big and juicy, and the shrimps are really fresh. The restaurant sells 300 bowls of the dish daily, with some customers queuing patiently for two hours. This dish, called gout-inducing lu rou fan, looks amazing, but it's not style over substance. The chef has used top-grade sushi rice and his special golden ratio braising sauce to make sure those oysters, white leg shrimps and organic egg taste as good as they look. The ocean taste from the shrimps and oyster add to the flavour of the lu rou fan. I mainly wanted to rehabilitate Taiwanese lu rou fan a bit. Why do we assume it has to be cheap? It can also be done in luxury style. If seafood's not your cup of tea, try the classic lu rou fan with an egg yolk instead. Taiwan black pig pork is diced into pieces just 8mm long. Then the chef adds more than 10 medicinal herbs and the special secret sauce for another braising. They say the key is da hong pao pepper. Da hong pao, da hong pao pepper has a numbling chili flavour. Lu rou fan is in itself a tiny bit oily, so the pepper cuts through that oiliness. If you head down to the shop, make sure not to miss the milkfish soup another customer favourite. This husband and wife team has made it the restaurant's mission to take Taiwanese flavours to the next level.